my radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. South Africans have been warned by trade unions in the country to expect services including transport, schooling and government departments to be shut down from tomorrow. In a historic show of unity, the two biggest labor federations in the country, the Congress of South African Trade Unions, COSATU, and the South African Federation of Trade Unions, SAFTU, who collectively represent close to 3 million workers, will be embarking on a national strike against corruption and unemployment. While Kasadi's protest action and stay away would take place tomorrow only, SAFTU leaders unveiled a program of mass action that would last until the end of November. At a time when 2.2 million jobs were lost during the second quarter of this year, largely due to the COVID-19 pandemic, what impact will the strike have? And is it too little, too late? Welcome to this burning issue. In the show tonight, we'll be chatting to unions. We'll also be chatting to somebody from the COVID-19 People's Coalition and also an economist, Davi Ruet, from the Efficient Group to find out how this would impact on our economy. We want to hear from you throughout the show. Of course, you can send us an SMS to the number 47913. That is 47913. You can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. Well, let's start off the show with the Kusatu Provincial Secretary, Melvin DeBrain. Melvin, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening and good evening to the listeners. Melvin, you've been on the show before. How are you doing? Uh, no use complaining, just busy around the clock. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. So, look, so take us straight to the news and what's happening tomorrow. Kasatu strike, you know, it comes at such a critical time in our country. We've been through so much. We're still going through a lot, you know. Why exactly are the unions calling on all public servants to stay away from work? Yeah, thanks, yeah. Yeah, we fully agree with your sentiments that we're going through tough times. However, what you've seen, even before COVID, the amount of corruption in our country, in the private sector, as well as in government. And I think it's about time that we should stand up and tell these people that we are angry, we are unhappy, because ultimately our people are suffering because of the fraud and corruption in our country. I think that's a, a, a fundamental question that one should argue, to ask ourselves, why those people are seeing we going through this crisis? Why are they still stealing money or having contracts that hasn't been done to properly? So I think that's a question that one needs to talk about. And let's go into the action. Explain to us what is planned. Yeah, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, we'll be having a motorcade. We'll start it together from 7 o'clock in Langa at the multi-purpose center. And then we will move by 8 o'clock. We'll take the end to... Our first stop will be the city of Cape Town at 10 o'clock. We'll hand, we'll hand over memorandum to the, to the mayor. From there, we go to the provincial legislature where we will hand over a memorandum to 
to the to, to, to the premium. And then our last stop will be our national parliament, where we will hand over memorandum. So that's basically our program for today, and for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now we understand this is about corruption, yeah? And it's also about saying enough is enough. Tell us a bit about the intentions behind this action. Yeah, I think it's not only about corruption only. The question about public transport, the question is about health and safety. We're also fighting the question of gender-based violence in our communities. The question of the government reneging on the on the agreement where public sector workers or government employees have been deprived of a salary increase that was agreed to. So it's basically an attack on collective bargaining and we can't allow those kind of things to happen. We're also saying that we want a moratorium on retrenchments because some employers are now using the COVID-19 as a way to get rid of employees and that's also some of the issues that we're fighting for tomorrow. And what are the outcomes that you are hoping for? Basically, what we are saying to government, we are saying to the public sector also, because the public sector is also involved as well as the provincial government or the the, uh, the province, the site, and the city, that they should put, must make sure that those people that were found guilty that they must go to jail and ensure that we can recover all those money that were being paid out to those people with the uh, tender that were issued and the, not, and the right procedure not being followed. We are also saying that we need to have a proper transport system. We're also saying that we want some moratorium. So government must come to the table and tell us and the price of what they will do to ensure that we have a stable economy and we have a country and a province that is working for the benefits of all employees and for all citizens. And those are some of the issues that we want to fight about tomorrow. Can I just also just double check what are the sectors that will be affected? Which the, workers? It's public. It's all, to put this way, all sectors are covered because COSATU is a, it's a federation that covers basically all sectors in our economy. So all of them are covered in terms of our Sector 77 certificate. So we are saying that all workers are covered, irrespective of the sector. And how do, you, how do you see this impacting on the public? What will it be like for our listeners, especially to understand what they can expect from tomorrow's action? Yeah, I think for the listeners, if one can recall the listeners, or even our members or the public in general were angry. They were also saying, but Kosato, you are alliance partner to the ANC. It looks like you guys are quiet when you see the level of corruption in our country, in our province. And that's basically a mandate from our members to say, no, we must take, do something drastically to ensure that the government takes workers and the people at large serious. So the intention is, is I think, workers and the community is really on our side this time around because even people that even are not associated with Kosato gave us, called us earlier to say, look here, Kosato on this one, we support you. Because what happened currently with corruption is unacceptable in the private, private sector as well as in the public sector. But do you think this will really make any impact? Because it seems that no matter how many protests South Africans go on, things really don't change in the government. Yeah, I think this will be the beginning of an ongoing campaign. So if they don't come to the party with this one, because of the COVID regulations, we can't call even a, 
a, a, a pro march to the past to the different common entities because of co-regulation. So this is just the beginning. If they don't come to the party and adhere or at least meet us in terms of our demands, there will be a much bigger action that will be taken against government and the private sector. And we will bring this whole economy to, the, to a standstill if they don't come to the party. But don't you think COVID-19 has already brought the economy to a standstill? I'm not really sure how sort of like impacting on the economy even more would be beneficial to South Africans. And I think I, I, I listened to your question, but the issue that follows. If we don't do something, what will happen? Then these people that have, that have received tenders corruptly, those people that government department that didn't follow the correct procedure to ensure that there's transparency and the right of people that applied for these tenders, that they get it, that there are no corrupt activities. If we keep quiet, what will happen? We can have far worse things coming down the line if we don't do something today. And of course, I'm very confident that our action will bear fruits. We are quite confident because we've got bigger, bigger things in, in in the pipeline, but you're not going to disclose it tonight. It depends as to how they will meet us when we're going to come to the table again to discuss our demands. Apart from this public action, the strike, how else is Kusatu intending to use its proximity to the ruling party, the ANC, which is the majority in our government, to put an end to corruption, if you are saying that this is about ending corruption? Yeah, no, no, no. Kosatu at the alliance level is engaging government on the issue of corruption. But sometimes we are saying that you can talk until you get blue. If that one or the other side is not listening, our only tool is, is to take action. So there is engagement at the national level with, with government from Kosatu so that we can put, we have put pressure on them to, 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 to ensure that we have a corrupt free uh, in society, that we workers get the salary increases, the public sector workers, because they've signed the agreement. Because our fear also, if government can get away today, we're not paying a salary increase. Next year, all employers will also say, no, if government can get away with it, why can't we also not pay a salary increase this year or the next year? So we can't allow, because no one, government is a president for all other sectors to follow suit. So we need to do something about it. And we are confident that's the only tool that we have as workers, and that's the only tool that we will use to force government in the right direction. And what we're doing is doing it for the better, betterment of the whole country. Because as we have said before, people that are not Kosato aligned, they wasn't really talk good, that they never could talk good about Kosato. Even they have called us to say they support our call. What government is doing is totally wrong. What the public sector is doing is totally wrong. And we can't allow it. Look, let's take a quick ad break. When we come back, we really want to continue this conversation with Melvin. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin, and we are talking about the unions in South Africa that are planning to have a strike from tomorrow, and this is because they have had enough, they say, of corruption and also unemployment in the country. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. You are more than welcome to send us a WhatsApp to the number 072 
0712. That is 0722380712. You can also give us a call in the studio. The number is 0214423530. That is 0214423530. If there are questions that you have for Melvin De Bruyne, he's the provincial secretary of COSATU, and that is the Congress of South African Trade Unions. They, of course, represent millions of workers who have signed up to this union. Now, Melvin, for people who may be, and of course, many people are still concerned about COVID-19, the coronavirus. Tell us about the social distancing protocols and safety protocols that are planned um, alongside the action that you want to take in the public space tomorrow. Will we see a crowd of irresponsible people or what will you do? Thanks for the question. I think it's a very good question. Because I'll be very clear on the question of the COVID-19 regulations. That's why we didn't even apply for a, for a major march just because of that. And what we will encourage people, we will breathe them tomorrow morning because those who come with cars and, and passengers, that they must comply with the question of social distance, the issue of hand sanitizers, etc. So we will comply with the COVID-19 regulations tomorrow because that's really an important matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how does it work now, the whole thing about staying at home and not working? What what are the employers saying? I mean, obviously, we do in our country have the right to protest. um, But what's going to happen in terms of um, staying at home and, and, and income for people? Yeah, I think the principle of a strike is always no work, no pay, no disability action. And I think our members and workers are aware that whenever there's this kind of action that that is normally the principle that applies. So in terms of the goals, I mean, I'm looking now also at a statement that came from the C19 People's Coalition, and it was sent out this month on the 4th of October. They start off saying that the reasons are indisputable. South Africa, even before the COVID-19 crisis, was already becoming poorer. A quarter of our people suffered from extreme poverty. Government presided over one of the highest levels of unemployment and the most unequal society in the world. So tell us a bit about the excuse me, the experience of workers in this country and your union members. I'm sure many must have lost their jobs. We've, of course, heard stories, people we know, etc. People have lost their jobs. But share with us the stories of your workers and how they have been impacted, your worker union members. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think on a daily basis we receive calls, people asking for assistance because they're losing their jobs. And when they lose their jobs, the chance of getting employment again is far remote. So it's basically like a dead end when you lose your job. And people are complaining because some of them will lose their houses. Some of them will even have money to pay for the child's education. I was discussing with a friend over the weekend, and he said to me, his, his daughter is at the university. But he won't be able to, 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 to afford payment for in the new year because he don't have that kind of money because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that faced us and the question of the the, the, the economic crisis that we also faced. So I can give you examples of people in Kiltrow and Clivant and in Google Earth where we have the same scenario. People are really desperate. And if we don't stop this thing now, the question of job losses, the bloodbath that we're faced with, we are faced with a major crisis in the long run. There's a thing about time that we should talk to government. Government can do, really can do more to protect our own workers and the people in general in this country. Now, what do you think 
about government's handling of the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, I think in terms of the question of the office safety aspect, government really come to the party to ensure that we least don't go into a disaster like country like America. I think from that one, from the other safety part, they played, they really tried their utmost best. But then you still find employers where the, that, that have a total disregard to the COVID-19 regulations. So, and I think those are the one of the issues that we also address in our demands tomorrow. But in terms of economic trajectory, we are really have a crisis still. Government, we have the view that they didn't do enough, especially due to, during the particular crisis. You still have the question of UIFTs where people are still waiting for the monies. And the, while, while the lockdown has started in April, in March, there's still people waiting for the monies. There's a total, I don't say to use the word mess, but at the, at the UIF departments, at the Department of Labor, sometimes workers don't know what, what to do. And they all come to Kosati to assist. You send letters, we make communication, and then just promise or they just shift the blame as to who's to blame for the non-payment of COVID and thirst benefits to our men. Yeah. So economically, we've, we have, government doesn't do that good in terms of ensuring that our people are looked after. Yeah, we have focused on that quite extensively on this show. I'd like to now look at some of the messages that have come through on the WhatsApp line. And of course, there are criticisms of Kosato, such as this one. Listener 8691 says, For years now, Kosato has been affiliated with the ANC, and they saw this corruption coming on for years, but failed to cut ties. My daughter just today had an exam question of what promises were made but never fulfilled in 1994 and this is the reason why. That is from listener 8691. Listener 5262 says Does anyone in these unions actually know how the economy works? Decreasing production and lessening workers' income through strike action is the worst thing they can do to combat unemployment. The utter stupidity is mind-blowing. Do you have a response to that comment? Yeah, I think yeah, you'll find people that will criticize our decision. And then you'll find the scenario that there's some people that are criticizing Kosato's decision to take government on on a question of corruption. Are the same ones who are complaining about government stealing the, our monies, not complying with the relevant uh, statutory rules or laws. So if someone, don't, someone must make a move, I fully understand the criticism. Because we all know that any strike... It's not good for economy. But if you are faced with a bigger crisis, and the same people will always say to you tomorrow, look at the amount of money that have got lost. Look at the, how the tenders was issued to certain individuals. But Kosati at least have, have, the, have the guts to take government on. We've had discussions at the national level through the alliance structural meetings where we engage government on the question of corruption. So that their discussion from Kosato, and ultimately, this is the only tool as labor. Okay. To take government on. And we appeal to people like the two listeners that they must understand from which context we are dealing with a particular crisis. And we need to take a hand to ensure that we put pressure on government to ensure that they comply with labor legislation and that they comply to ensure that workers and the community are looked after. Okay. Now, it seems significant that SAFTU a union that generally has been opposed to you is joining the strike. Now, what is the significance of the Congress of the South African Trade Unions and the South African Federation of Trade, Trade Unions, SAFTU, holding hands in this? Yeah, because ultimately, while we are opposing parties, but we are basically fighting one battle, and 
our call, the, the demands that we've put on the table is the same demands that, that SAFTA have shared. So they support our demands because they know exactly where we're coming from and their own members are also faced with the same problems. So SAFTA, we, we are happy that SAFTA, whoever is unhappy, is willing to come and join us. If you are, even if you are a DA member, ANC member, EFF member, or any other political party, this battle is a battle for everyone. So the more people is comp- dealing with it, the more people come to the party to put pressure on government, the better. And the, that will be the fastest way for government to come to the party to ensure that it look after the interests of workers and of the public in general. Mm-hmm. Now, listener 0115 says, Kasati never pre- protests at the corrupt ANC Alliance partner because they are all in cahoots in bringing South Africa into disrepute. Malvin and his unions should be charged with sabotage against the Republic of South Africa and its citizens for destroying the economy economy of South Africa. It's not only about the workers, it's about Casato and unions getting less money because of mass job losses. It's all about money. Are you motivated by money to do this protest action? You know, I think for us it's not about money. It's a question of just what is fair and what is just, what is justifiable. Because I think the same workers, the same people that are complaining, I don't think they will understand if they want, if they are faced wondering with the same dilemma where government tell if your employer tells you, we sign an agreement then next year, I'm not going to give you the money that you've signed for. But, and I think that is totally wrong. And I think that's the issue. There's a question, the principal issue is about the signed agreement. Why can't the part, the government come to the party to comply with that agreement? And I think that's a fundamental issue, fundamental issue. That they want a signed agreement. It's not a question that we would just want extra money. There was agreement that they will pay workers in 2020, in 2020 the, the, the salary increase as signed by the parties. Yeah. And and the question, I think on the first other call that I raised, that's why we're going out tomorrow. It's against the ANC government. It's against our own government. That's yeah. why we're going out tomorrow. Melvin, I just want to say that many of our listeners unfortunately still see Kasato and the ANC as one, you know. For example, listener 4956 has also sent through a message saying, I don't see the sense in the strike. The ANC and Kasato is one. Do you have something to share on that? Because, you know, I mean, can Kasato have any impact on corruption in government if you know, the view is that Kosato and the ANC is in fact all in the same, at the same table. Yeah, I think what people must understand is that Kosato is autonomous board, the ANC is autonomous. We are alliance partners. You've got the ANC as a political party, then you've got, you've got government. So, we are not, we don't sit in the same table when it comes to those, those kind of decisions, because we don't agree with them to, to say, no, you're not going to give increases. We have never agreed with them on that particular one. So we accept the fact that we are alliance partners, but it doesn't mean we can't fight against our own alliance partners because what they're doing is wrong, and that's why we need to stand up. It's like saying to your child, because your child is naughty, but you are friends, you are, sorry, your child is naughty, but you don't want to eat your child because, or you don't want to, 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 to discipline your child, to put it that way. Yeah. We, we're saying is that if change is wrong, we'll deal with the agency. Irrespective of our, of our uh, link as alliance partners, because we are autonomous, 
Okay. Look, I mean, at this point, I think it's important to just read out the disclaimer. The views expressed in this program are not the views of the voice of the Cape It's management or staff. This is a public platform, a community platform, where we do give a platform and a chance for people, ordinary citizens, to also view their opinions and, of course, question different role players in society. And that, of course, is the point of this program in particular, where we like to bring the ordinary person in contact with people that we often read about with its government or political leaders, etc. I'm, I'm now going to welcome another guest to the show. His name is Shahid Mohammed, and he's from the Social Workers Revolutionary Party. Shahid, assalamu alaikum. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Uh, thank you um, uh, for having us. We appreciate it. So for our listeners, can you please just tell us what is the Social Workers Revolutionary Party and who do you represent or how many members do you represent? Well, um, let me just correct you on the name there. It's Socialist Revolutionary Workers' Party, um, SRWP, and we have got a membership of around 20,000 nationally. Uh, We do have some international members as well, but uh, our aim is to organize the working class irrespective of union affiliation, irrespective of religious belief, um, into a fighting organization that can end the system of capitalism and exploitation nationally and internationally. That's in a nutshell uh, what we are all about, and we, we are an openly socialist organization. We believe socialism is the answer, and in fact, the, the fact that the government is capitalist, that Kosatu leaders themselves are pro-capitalist, is also a problem, as you were actually alluding there, that you know, it is it's a problematic alliance. And uh, we feel that trade unions should be independent of any capitalist government. That's that's a that's a principle. Mm-hmm. So, what does the party think of the trade union federation strike action? And also, is it supporting this action? Well, we um, support the action 100% with our own demands. And um, in fact, many of our activists who are in SAFTU, South African Federation of Trade Unions, have actually made a call as well. Um, a national call for SAF to, to join up uh, with, the, with the protests. And in fact, tomorrow the call is for all workers who are available to go to uh, Parliament at 10 o'clock. Um, in, um, those who are in Cape Town and uh, those who are in Robertson and uh, um, Ladysmith, there are uh, various protest actions there as well. After Parliament, the idea is to go to Prasa as well. But the idea is to, to you know, to set, a, set down a marker, principled marker, even though we've got differences, major differences with Kusatu. The point is that when there is a, a working class action, we shouldn't break unity. We should unite irrespective of uh, union affiliation, in irrespective actually even of party affiliation. Because if we are disunited, then the, the capitalists themselves will continue with, um, with the, the attacks. And just to say the central point for us for, to, for tomorrow you know, is to also protest against the agreement recently reached in NEDLAC. Uh, which is actually very outrageous. You know, the government sat down with Kusatu and others and signed out agreement in September. They launched the document in August. And in fact, one of the doc- one of the clauses of the document that the government wanted to, you know, implement is to again through the back door, and now this time through the front door, to bring back nuclear power. You know, this devastating you know, impact. And that's the first thing. The second thing is that the Kusatu unions and other unions have agreed with government to privatize ESCOM. 
you know, they, to cut up ESCOM into three parts, to force that every house on the, in the country must have a prepaid meter. And in fact, you know, it's a contradiction. We support the Kosato worker. Um, you know, it's not actually a contradiction. It might appear apparently. But we are with the Kosato worker because the Kosato worker rejects, you know, um, all of the, um, you know, the, the attacks, you know, by the government. And in fact, you know, the, the, if you look at, you know, the, the whole COVID pandemic, you know, even before the COVID pandemic, every year in the systemic attacks by the capitalist class on, on, the, on the working class, 150,000 workers or people die, die every year from communicable diseases like TB, pneumonia, uh, um, HIV Shahid. and so on. You know, yeah. So those are the central issues. There's, there's systemic attacks on the working class. And we say the buck stops here. We need to unite as the working class against the government and really expose those who are, who are misleading us, like the Kosato leaders. So there you have it, Melvin. Apparently you are misleading. What is your response to that? Yeah, it's really a, a sad, sad statement that people can say that we are misleading the people. And I think our demand is very clear. I don't have to go into that particular demand, a particular response or comment from, from, from the comrade, because I think that's what the, what the capitalists want. They want us to fight on, on public on the public forum, and then they they saying that it's the right to rule. So they if they are succeeding tonight. You're going to go into debate or who was who was misleading or or who was talking the truth. So those I don't want to go into that kind of debate. It's totally uh, it's totally wrong for us. We're going to fight a big battle tomorrow, and we still have that kind of engagement. So Prasad was very very clear that we never must let any worker. We are very clear from the beginning because we are reporting to our members. If that was really the case, we would have seen there would have been not a support for us for tomorrow's event. So it's really, it's really sad that we can still have that kind of engagement while we're fighting a bigger, a bigger enemy out there, which is capital. And tell me, how is government and its SEO, its state-owned enterprises, how is that part of the problem in terms of the fight against corruption and this capitalism that you talk about? Because it is also not really functioning effectively. We see this all the time with the bailouts. We see this also with corruption, within state-owned enterprises. Isn't that also something that Kosato should be addressing? Yeah, and, and Kosato has been doing it for, for years. We've been addressing the question of the question of corruption in general. We've been the ones who've said that they can't use our state money to bail out these public entities every time. We need to put measures in place to deal with those people that can't run that entity, and that we should be placing with the right people so we can have a productive economy at the end of the day. And I think that's a message Kosato have always said and sent out to the people. Yeah. What's hardly happening. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to both of you and I mean both of you say that you represent people on the ground and workers. I'm really curious to know if we have you know, bodies, organizations like Osatu and, and also of course now the Workers Party. I'm I'm really struggling to understand why government still gets away with so much corruption and why we still see so little change. I mean, do you think that your protest action and your demands are just ignored by government? Yeah, I think our view is that government are doing enough, at least 
you see now there's some change in terms of people being arrested, but that's not enough. We said the government must also go to the public sector because the big fish is lying there because they are the ones that also corrupt our people as well. So we need to go to the big fish. And we're saying, as Kosato, government should do more and make sure that they, that they, the Justice Department got prop, uh, the necessary funding for them to prosecute and to prosecute and put these people to jail that is stealing from our economy. But do you do you think maybe they don't take you serious or they don't take your pushback serious on corruption because you are a, an alliance partner? I don't. So I will not agree with the fact of the statement that they don't take us serious. I can maybe say that they are not doing enough and they're not doing it fast enough to ensure that they are serious with dealing with corruption in this country. I think there's a total lack of de- a delay in ensuring that people go to jail because we need people to go to jail and people can see out there people are going to jail and that would be a deterrent to ensure that we have people that people will stop stealing from our government and people stop stealing from the private private sector Shahid, why do you think that change is so slow in south africa given that we have so many protests is the level of corruption just too much in our government no, I think, you know, um, yes, uh, you know, a capitalist government by definition is corrupt because the workers' labor, uh, labor power is being stolen by definition. You know, the worker works and um, doesn't get the, the full value for the, for the labor that is expended, you know, every, every single day. So inherent capitalism is based on the theft, you know, of, of, of workers' uh, you know, rights. So um, that's, the, that's the central thing. And in fact, the, the central problem in South Africa, I would say, you know, and we would say, is that the workers' movement leadership is corrupted. And that's why it's a contradiction. We support the action tomorrow, you know. And in fact, I would disagree with my, my, my fellow comrade in Kusatu, you know, um, you know that uh, Kusatu it is is primarily is actually pretending that they are the leadership is pretending that they are with the workers, but they are signing away, you know, the the, the rights. In fact, they are talking about fighting corruption. But you know, according to the um, article the journal of southern african studies the amount of money that big capital mining is stealing every year is 200 billion you know it's an article by uh, ashman fine and and newman you know um and it's it's there everybody knows about it you know it's 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 uh, you know it's it's been proven and yet the government does nothing about it not only that but the kosato leaders themselves do nothing about it they say oh fight corruption find this or that small thief, you know, even this one who stole a billion or two, but 200 billion every year is being stolen. And Kusatu leaders are not doing anything about it. And that's the problem. You know, we talk about fight, you know, uh, starvation and things like that. But I mean, they don't expose that every year there's 10 million tons extra of food that's being dumped. And in fact, this year, there was a bumper maize and grain crop and fruit crop. You know, there was enough food. In fact, the price of food should have come down. Yet the alliance partner of Kusatu didn't lift a finger when the food prices went up. And the food is still being dumped by, you know, ShopRite and, you know, Pick and Pay and all the, all of these companies. Ten million tons that could have fed everybody. Okay. You know? So, so you know, that's the inherently, you know, because the, the problem is that the, the workers' leadership, is corrupted and that's why we need a new workers party and we challenge everybody i mean we're not saying we've got the you know the gospel or whatever come and sit down with us uh, build independent committees you know in, in workplaces doesn't matter which union you belong to let's unite as workers in action we'll be there tomorrow we will 
stand shoulder to shoulder with Kosatu leaders and, 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 and the workers there especially, but it doesn't mean that we have to agree. We must say where we disagree and why we disagree fundamentally with the leadership and where the way forward is. And we're challenging people to say, listen, it's time, even the Kosatu, this region has said, it's time to review the alliance. So we want to, to salute them for that. And, you know, our, our allies are the Kosatu workers. Even if you are in FEDUSA, independent union, not able to come out tomorrow, let's unite on the ground in factories and in, in communities. Let us stand together. And in, in community meetings, we can have the differences there, you know, and, and talk it out. But as long as we unite in action, and that is what we are starting tomorrow, SAFTU is calling for a strike at, uh, you know, in the start, possibly the 2nd of December. So we're hoping that the Kusatu um, workers will also mobilize and those who are in, the, in other unions also come along. Let's start a new tradition of workers uniting in action, and let's sweep away corruption within the workers' movement. So... I mean, I, I hear very clearly that you are favorable towards SAFTU and obviously not Kusatu, Shahid. Yeah, you know, let, let me say something. I'm a Kusatu member. You know, I'm a Kusatu member, but I mean, I'm speaking for the party. I'm saying that the Kusatu view is presented tonight, and I've thought that it's important to also present the SAFTU view because SAFTU has made a call. Unfortunately, the view hasn't been canvassed. So that's why I'm, I'm actually... You know, putting, I'm not a SAFTU member, you know, but the SAFTU view, I think, is important to put out there because they are a big federation. So then I'm going, to have, part, to, then I'm yeah. going to have to ask you the difficult question. If you are a KASATU no member mm. and you are willing to come onto a public platform and criticize the movement that mm. you are part of, why do you yeah. not fix it within the movement? What is happening within KASATU then? Now, Kusatu, in any union, I mean, there's even, you go back to um, 2012, there was a survey done by the Sociology of Work program. I can send you the, the, you know, the survey if you don't have it. You know, the survey already said then, in 2012, that 60% of Kusatu shop stewards favor breaking the alliance with the ANC and SACP and forming of a workers' party. So that is the, the tradition that I come from and that many others in Kusatu even it's not only a NUMSA thing, you know, many in NUM and many in other unions in Kusatu were also saying we want to work as party. Unfortunately, that report has been been hidden in file 13, you know, but it is there. And in fact, there's a long tradition of workers in Kusatu and in the workers movement differing and speaking their views and saying, listen, we want independent politics. That is the, the tradition of the 1980s, you know, the, the uprising you know, that is the, the, the movement that I identify with, where the workers stood together and fought against the state. That is what, what needs to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Look, we are now going to um, wrap up with that interview. Can I, can I respond? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, I think it's very disingenuous for, for the Workers' Party to come here and raise those kind of points. And I think one can safely say they were really that vocal. Why? Nobody knows about them. Why don't you fight campaigns on their own? are the only way for Kasadi to move and then they want to move. So they can't just jump on the Kasadi bandwagon. They must fight. They raise the question of the food issue. That issue was raised in Kasadi. Unfortunately, if he claims that he's a Kasadi member, why did he know that those issues were raised? He was raised in PEC meetings and in all other meetings, the question that he raised earlier. Now, our question at Kasadi is why didn't they do something? They are waiting, sitting there, being armchair critics, but they will never apply, go to Netflix, apply for certificates, take the members out there waiting for Kusatu to move and now they want to use this platform to criticize. And secondly, at no stage this province agrees that we must review the land. There's no such a decision in this province. 
that decision is a decision that must go to the national level through Congress can can discuss that particular issue. So, and I need to also raise a particular point. I'm not disappointed in the kind of comments, and I think most of the comments are not factually correct, and I don't want to go into that kind of debate. Because ultimately, why we are here today, is to, tonight, is to ensure that we have a successful march tomorrow and not to try to score cheap political points because by, I was, they are busy promoting their own political party. Mm. And I think that's totally disingenuous for him to come here and be factually incorrect in most of the stuff that you've currently raised. Mm. We must talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. If they've got challenges with regards to the ins, to, to Kosato, I think what they should have done by now is to call him to Kosato to say, let's discuss the differences. I'm not waiting for Kassad to go into a march and try to be the judge and jury. So he's really going to beat himself. Sitting here saying no, there's no one from Saftu here. You can talk to us. Saftu was invited because they said they were also invited Saftu. Yeah. He's not the Saftu spokesperson. Why do you want to talk about Saftu? He's supposed to talk about their issues. So he mustn't tell people on the one side he is not he's a Kassad member, but he's like the spokesperson of Saftu. He must be honest and tell us where he stands, man. I think that's the issue that we also need to raise. Honesty. And the question is at stake tonight. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, guys, I think we will leave it at that. I mean, we 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 do understand, you know, that many of our listeners have expressed their opinions about the union as well. Shahid has expressed his opinion. Malvin, we've given you airtime, of course, to defend the position of the union. And thank you, of course, for telling us about what will be happening tomorrow. And um, we'll we'll catch up with you again to find out how things are going. We're going to take a quick ad break, and I just want to thank both guys. Thank Thank you both, both of you for joining us on Burning Issue this evening. Thank you very Thank much you, for being back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. The Burning Issue. So welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, we are talking about a strike, a workers' strike meant to register in the public space and in the public opinion the fact that workers are tired of government corruption and unemployment. Now, the question that I've been asking throughout the show so far has been about whether this makes sense to do a strike now, given the fact that our economy is already struggling. Now, I'm going to welcome Mametloe Sebe, and he's from the C19 People's Coalition, and they are also supporting this. Mametloe, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. We've got a few minutes before we break for the prayer for the Ishai Salah. The Adhan will go off, and of course we'll have you back on after that. Are you with us? Uh, yes, uh, good evening to you and to your listeners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so tell us firstly, what is the C19 People's Coalition? C19 People's Coalition um, is actually a coalition of number of organizations drawn from the main theaters of the working class struggles in this country. So it's basically trade unionists like myself. I'm also the national president of General, uh, General Industries Workers Union South Africa, which is an affiliate of SAF2, and there are a number of other trade unionists that are there. But also there are community organizations, um, including, you know, in Western Cape there, like Lavis Action Committee, but also a number of them across the country, as well as climate justice organizations, many of whom have come together basically around a program for a working class alternatives to 
a brutal militarized lockdown as a government response to the crisis created by the public health you know situation you know that emanated from the coronavirus c19 that is still you know um 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 I'm going in the country. So we basically came together, about 400 organizations endorsed our platforms and are considering themselves affiliates. In the beginning, especially level five, to organize food relief and other forms of solidarity against repressions, you know, abuses by security forces, the military, the police, a number of that. But also now we're developing a political response, and that's the reason we're endorsing this action. Okay, but does it make sense for us as a country to be going on strike now, our workers going on strike now, when we know that we are trying to open up the economy again after so many people have been at home and so many people have lost their jobs? Well, that's precisely the point. The reality is the capitalist class, the employers, are seizing this crisis to carry out, you know, a most profound and far-reaching restructuring of the working class and the economy as a whole in their own interest. I can tell you of a number of companies where, and some of which actually have been working throughout, including pharmaceutical companies. I'm going to take an example. I mean, just... Think about it for a moment. I'm negotiating at the present moment as the user retrenchments at Adcock, which is a pharmaceutical company which has never done better than now because a demand for pharmaceutical products has never been higher. I'm just looking here at my house, as, you know, which has you know, resembled more of a pharmacy because now everybody, my family included, were panicking. Every minor illness element, we're treating it. Now, how then do you explain pharmaceutical companies retrenching in this situation? All I'm saying is that the class struggle has not ceased. If anything, the pandemic has aggravated it. The employers are seizing the crisis, and we need to stop them at their tax. The two to three million jobs that have been lost is not a natural calamity. Mm-hmm. It's a conscious decision of the employers of the capitalist class who are seizing this crisis yeah. to advance their own interests and defend their profits and expense of the jobs and the livelihoods of our members and of the working class people. Okay, let's leave it at that for now. You've given us the groundwork. When we come back, we'll get some detail. We are going to break now for the Ishai Salah. Do stay tuned. After the break, we'll be back with Mamakle. Thank you. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are talking about the unions in South Africa. We've spoken to Kosatu. We also know about SAFTU, another union that is planning mass strike action across sectors from tomorrow. In fact, it's happening tomorrow. It's a national strike that's being called by Kosatu. And um, they're saying that this is to end corruption and unemployment in South Africa. If you have been listening to the show, I hope that you have a um, an opinion. If you want to share that with us, you're more than welcome to do so. You can give us a call in the studio. 
the number of course here in the studio is 021-442-3530 that is 021-442-3530 you're more than welcome to also send us a whatsapp to the number 072 238-0712 and I'm looking now at a a flyer that listener 9809 sent us and um, the flyer reads COVID-19 the great state robbery. Is COVID-19 the biggest scam pulled on the world by the ruling elite and it's a debate that will be happening um, I'm not exactly sure It's. I think it's going to be on social media but anyway the the platform isn't very clear but I'm just these are the kind of conversations that people are having we're wondering you know what is happening with our governments and and how exactly is it possible that so much money could have gone missing in such a quick short time with COVID-19 now we know that there's been various cases of corruption also around the uh, TIRS money that was meant to be for poor people or other people who are affected by COVID financially affected by COVID. Now, I'm going to welcome back to Burning Issue, Mametle Sebei, and he's from the C19 People's Coalition. Mametle, are you available? Are you there? Yes. Hi, welcome back to the show. Now, you know... Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Now, the unions have placed corruption at the foremost of their agenda. But dealing with corruption is more than just about removing corrupt individuals. It's also about ensuring checks and balances are in place to prevent that in the first place. So the C19 People's Coalition, you have, of course, put out a statement, you know, and you say that government presided over one of the highest levels of unemployment and the most unequal societies in the world. And enabled, and this is according to your statement, you say that they crippled... This is now reading from your statement. It says a deep epidemic of corruption had eroded the character of our politics, crippled our public administrations and enabled the annual corporate theft of tens of billions of rands. What is going on in our country? Why is our government so corrupt? And and how do we stop this? Everybody is shocked. What are we doing? I think there is something that we need to be able to clarify in relation to that, that um, the problem of corruption is not just you know um, the moral lapse, you know, um, you know, in this or that individual. I mean, you know, the Zuma administration, you know, the Zuma personality and people around him, as you know, the ANC, you know, and, and the ruling class propaganda, you know, want us to believe. In actual fact, our argument is that. Corruption is inherent to capitalism as a system itself. And in our country, if you look at the program of the ANC, of the Black Economic Empowerment, which is an attempt on the part of the ANC to artificially create a class of the black capitalists, corruption is functional to the social formation of this class. It is only by looting and plundering of the state that most of the so-called black capitalists can be able to advance. Because the idea that you can just find somebody with no capital, and this person, the state not only has to give him a business where the state is supposed to be rendering a public service, but in many ways, actually, you know, the state itself finances that very, you know, enterprise, um, because most of these people who have been given tenders, that's nothing. 
you know, no way of even rendering and delivering on the projects for which they've tendered and for which they've won the tenders and so on. So the point that we are saying is that corruption is not just the matter of individual and personalities, but actually functional to the very advancement and formation, particularly of the capitalist class, I mean of the black capitalist class, but actually endemic in capitalism itself because it was not just and the players that were involved in corruption as the, the, the looting of, you know, the temporary employment and employer relief scheme that was set up by big corporations with claimed monies in the names of workers, most of whom were going on for money without income, without them paying out those particular monies, shows that corruption actually is not just on the part of the public servants. Actually, is also there in the private sector. And we are saying all of these people have to be investigated, all of these people have to be held accountable, but we must have absolutely no illusions that the government and the ANC is not going to lead us. The working class and poor people must organize, fight, and only through their organization and struggle can demand and, of course, get accountability that we need. Now, also in your statement, you say you want an end to corruption the coalition wants the corrupt political class to face consequences we cannot have impunity it further calls on government to address the root causes of corruption that is according to your statement now we have focused quite a bit on the show on the inadequacies of the social grant system and you know thousands of people are still waiting for COVID 19 relief grant payments now how do you think or how does the coalition see that government should tackle the grant issue given the fact that it's so much money in the government's hands and it's just flowing into other people's bank accounts without accountability firstly i mean you will see that we actually say you know remove a lot of the unnecessary, you know, um, requirements there that, in fact, becomes, you know, a pretext for a red tape um, that deny access um, and also allow patronage uh, because it gives, you know, state bureaucrats, most of whom um, are not, you know, um, just, um, you know, um, lacking of the resources um, to be able to administer that, but actually, you know, um, implicated in this corrupt scandal, these scandals of corruption that we, we're talking about. But the point that we are saying is that, you know, make or provide for universal basic income grant, where uh, every, you know, um, person who is unemployed and people that are earning below a certain amount would be able to be entitled to that. And that would itself make sure that um, you remove a lot of the red tape, but most importantly, um, make sure that um, you, you know, spread out access and alleviate poverty because we have a massive and catastrophic levels of poverty among the unemployed, which I think nobody can debate. Um, the statistics, the facts of every research has completely and graphically highlighted that social situation. What, of course, we're not speaking about is, you know, the poverty among the so-called working poor. Many people who are formally employed, but who, for most part, only work to be able to go back to work, you know, a day after. 
also big chunk of their salaries consumed in transport and of course you know just you know a money for lunch and so on and nothing else these are people that are also deserving of that kind of a grant and so on but i think i want to come to the issue that you raised earlier on how do we really begin to end this corruption we must be clear that as i said on the basis of capitalism is unavoidable but i think the best way to ensure that this political elite is you know, uh, held accountable, ultimately is to take out ANC government itself. But when and to the extent that that is not an immediate, you know, possibility, there are certain things that we can also be able to do. We are saying end tendering system. And the way to do that is to ensure that a lot of outsourced and privatized services are taken again into public service. Government must build a capacity to be able to render those services so that there are no services for profit and also you remove motivation and incentives for corruption that is inherent in tendering system and ensure that a lot of those are rendered as public services that are available to everybody. Yeah, I mean, your, your your statement outlines a number of things that you have mentioned, such as gatekeeping and patronage and so on. Now, talk to us about the alternative that you propose, a people-centered public administration. Yeah, we are saying that, um, as I was saying, the first thing is to basically, you know, take, um, you know, private corporations and their profit you know, motives out of public service, and that means outsourcing, and that means, you know, building or rather building and revitalization of the state, I mean, of the public, you know, services, and ensuring that that is actually placed under a democratic control and management of the working class so that people have a say in the services that actually are rendered to them so that they are able to assess the quality of those services but also get involved in ensuring that public spending is targeted in areas that would most effectively serve our communities but also improve the quality of life to ensure the reality of better life for all. I mean, so I can I just... projects that we can speak yeah, about. I'm yeah. from Mamaitle. which I can give you an example of a situation where our local municipality, you know, um, simply installed, um, what do you call it? installed, um, what is this? Um, the street lights. Basically in the middle of a bush. Um, when we have a main road in the community not be tied. What was very evident in that situation is that a friend or somebody who's politically connected had, you know, a means of building, um, you know, street lights and therefore wanted a tender. A tender was issued on that basis and that was not obviously on the basis of what the community needed. What's the point of erecting a street light in the middle, you know, of a bush when we don't have a main road in the community being tied? So those are just some of the examples. There are a number of uh, projects where money, much needed money in the public service is spent in communities where there's no water, which is very vital for the very life of the community itself. Now, we're saying that bring people back in administration and in rolling out services in their communities. That's what we mean by public-centered public service. But how is that different from running a government? 
Because yes. ultimately, ultimately, I mean, demo, the democratic struggle against apartheid. We're speaking about, you know, um, you know, people's education for people's power, people's health for people's power. What did we mean by that? That meant that people would have the same. Not only in how they are being governed by means of, you know, elections once in five years, but actually in how services are being delivered in their communities. And that, of course, if you look at the whole constitutional mechanism of the country, you know, they pay a lip service to that. The reality is, in a situation where a public service has been hijacked by cooperate interest in the first place through privatization, through outsourcing, but most importantly, you know, politicians and public servants have, in most cases, been corrupted uh, to a point where public services are dictated, you know, by corrupt interests, both in a private and private sector, uh, public sector. There is a demurement an attack on even a democratic foundations of the current constitution itself, on how you involve people in the decisions that affect their lives and livelihoods in communities. Lot of what, uh, what committees that are supposed to be functioning and where decisions are supposed to be taken on how do you then render most of the services are actually functioning. Decisions in how you decide on development projects in communities, which are actually entrenched in number of laws. I mean, I must say to you that in my other life, I work actually at laws for human rights as an environmental lawyer. One of the things that I can tell you is that a lot of decisions around, you know, environmental authorizations, improving a lot of projects, requires public participation. But what happens? The state either doesn't facilitate uh, adequate consultation or politicians actually make sure that they bus people to meetings where they dilute deliberately, you know, meetings and decisions of people that are going to be impacted by those decisions. And that is because of corrupt, cooperate interest, but also corrupt, you know, tendencies in the public service themselves. And we are saying that the working class must organize, the people must organize themselves to make sure that they demand accountability, but also claim and take back their power where they can, but ultimately the solution is to change in government itself and ensuring that actually we have in this country a government resting on the interests of the working class that will make sure that the political power in the state rests with the working class and the poor, but also the economy through nationalizations of the banks, the mines, the, you know, the key sectors of the economy, and the democratic control and management of the working class so that the economy is planned to meet the needs of the people and not for the profits of the individuals. Okay. Sure, that was a lot of information. And I also just need to ask some questions. And I'm going to ask you if you can keep the answers a bit shorter, if you don't mind, just because there are a couple of questions that I'd like to get through before we sign off. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm going through your statement that you put out. And of course, yeah, what this conversation with you is about, it's about the alternatives as well. Because we understand that we are in a mess. We understand that we have a corrupt government. The stories and the headlines that come out every day is about government officials stealing from us, the citizens, right? And this, of course, is why the unions have said they want to go to the streets and protest against the corruption and, of course, the unemployment that they see in our country as well. Now, your statement that you put out on the 4th of October in support of tomorrow's national strike talks about land for housing and food production. Now, this is all about looking at how our country can get out of the mess that it's in. You know, so that's why I'm referring to your document. Now, we know that COVID-19 has increased hunger in South Africa. So what would work best in our current situation to improve access to food? Well, we do think that, um, firstly, you know, um, you know, the, 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 we, we must take, you know, food monopolies, including big farms in this country, that, um, you know, at the moment are actually dictated and driven again by corporate interest for profiteering, but also there's abundance of land that has been hoarded for a number of, you know, reasons, um, for speculations in the markets, you know, and, and all these things and so on, which land can be used, uh, can be allocated to communities um, and, and people who, you know, are overcrowded in, in squatter camps, in informal settlements, because if there's anything that, you know, um, this COVID has highlighted is a horrendous situation. Um, that is there, particularly in informal settlements uh, and in townships and so on. That needs to be addressed. But also the question of hunger, that we can't just rely in this situation on few big, you know, um, commercial agricultural establishment when a lot of our people are unemployed. We need to be able to release, we need to be able to provide land so that people can be eat, uh, can eat a living. Those are the kind of alternatives that we are putting forward. Lot of the state land is available, but also you know, a lot of private land that is, is unused at the moment. I mean, when you drive all the way to, I mean, when I drive from here, Johannesburg to Free State, it's, it's scandalous how lot of farms are clearly not in use. Yet, there is a massive hunger and poverty for land in this country. But do people know how to how to go about this? Because, I mean, growing your own food is also hard work, you know. I mean, I see on Facebook and social media, people talk about it's almost like it's just this easy thing to do. Um, I think that farming and growing your own food is actually hard work. No, I mean, look, I mean, what, what, what can be more difficult about, like, for instance, even just sitting up a garden? I mean, when I was growing up, um, there was hunger in our community, but one thing that, you know, I remember doing in a rural area of Limpopo is that, you know, in every village there was a land allocated for gardening. You know, and, and, and every poor family, um, you know, would have a plot where they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mother had that. Um, you know, we also had, you know, um, a piece of land where we could plow. I grew up um, actually, you know, uh, assisting my mother to trade, uh, and she still does that. And, and you know, 
some of our families have blood, we also have blood, and we also saw that. So it's not true, by the way, that people don't know how to use the land and other things and so on. Um, the thing that people are talking about in most cases is the failures of the land restitution, where you will find people that were displaced about decades ago, most of them displaced in rural areas which were then allocated by apartheid for other purposes, they're in urban areas. Now, as a solution to problems of land distribution, you give people that have moved on with life here in the cities a land in rural area. That doesn't solve the problem. And obviously people like that, not only have they lost skills, most of the time they don't even have an interest. Uh, over and above that, they have no capital to resume farming. So that is not what we are talking about here. We are talking about communities that just want the system with very basic things, you know, like seats and other things to be able to make a religion. But more than that, we are saying, you know, there are workers that are available to work a lot of the farms that are laying idle, most of which, by the way, returned workers that were working there, and most of which um, are areas where there are workers that actually are still working in other farms and therefore with the proper skills. With government and plan and funding, and, you know, from, uh, you know, for that, a lot of that land can be utilized productively and to ensure that we end food hunger and insecurity in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to wrap up shortly um, with Mamotle. I mean, let's talk about the action going forward. We have heard from the union that from tomorrow, at least, Kosatu is going to be, uh, you know, doing its protest action. Uh, we have heard from another guest that another union will go on and um, do some of the... Um, protest actions even as uh, up until December that's what I that's what one what I remember from from one of the other interviews so how is the C19 people's coalition going to be holding government accountable what actions or what activities will you be doing as the coalition so we are supporting as you have said in a statement the trade unions um, but also with our own programs, we'll be intervening in the demonstrations with our own demands, with our own memorandums tomorrow and so on. And we're calling on these unions, uh, on the unions, uh, to ensure that this is not just one of action, but we begin to build a sustained program of rolling mass actions and campaigns to ensure that ultimately there's accountability on these issues and we make headways on these issues and so on. I mean, already tomorrow, is really a significant day. And, and let's just take a step back. Never in a post-1994 era have you had a gender strike endorsed by all federations. Last time there was such an action, it was in 1993 and 1987. You know, during the anti-LRA, you know, campaigns when Nagtu, Fedusa, and Kosatu came together. Today, this strike is endorsed by Kosatu, by Saftu, um, you know, which on and by itself would have been significant. The two major federations uh, joining together in this action. But also, Fedusa and Nagtu have come to the party. To the, to the best of my knowledge, number of independent unions also have indicated you know, their support for the strike. We are therefore calling on communities 
to riot and join in the strikes and use these strikes also to raise their demand. Because what is called on all of us to do is to make sure that tomorrow becomes, you know, a demonstration of working class unity on a scale that is unprecedented. Because it has the potential to be a beginning of the United Working Class Movement. And we know that the Working Class United will never be defeated. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and for sharing with us the C19 People's Coalition's views. Mamet Lesebe, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are now coming into the last section of the program. Now, of course, during the show, we've heard from the unions, and they are saying that they are going to be going on strike tomorrow against corruption and, of course, also unemployment. Now, ironically, um, so I'm on a WhatsApp group called the Presidency of the Republic of South Africa, and it's essentially any statements that are sent to journalists um, from the uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa. And interestingly, he's sent out a statement to the South African Democratic Teachers Union, and they are, of course, um, you know, as we heard from from Kasatu, um, you know, all the unions, all the public service workers are going to go and strike from tomorrow. And what I found interesting in this um, statement is that the president refers to this union as well as a partner in the transformation of education in our country, and also um, the, the the president does talk about the need for uh, eradicating corruption even within in the education sector it's quite a lengthy statement I'm just browsing through it and of course one of the questions that we had asked Kasatu this evening was you know whether government would take them and other unions unions seriously if they are viewed as partners in fact let me just quickly read what the president said to Satu verbatim he said let us join hands in the fight against corruption wherever it rears its head and let us report and expose corruption wherever we see it well now we are going to go into the part of the show where I want to talk facts and figures, economy, what is happening. We've, of course, heard from our guests. They've had very broad ideological ideas that they've shared, political ideas, ideas of how they see the country working, whether it comes in the form of uh, holding government officials accountable or even just growing food on vacant land. I'm now going to welcome to the show Darby Ruert. He's Chief Economist with the Efficient Group. Darby, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Uh, thank you very much. Good evening to you. Now, Darby, I had asked the unions earlier this question. Does it make sense to go on a national strike right now when South Africa is needing to recover, especially the economy is needing to recover from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, just maybe just a side note, and that is I'm an economist, yes, and I can give you some numbers, but it doesn't mean that I don't have an ideological preference, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I'm, <laughs> economists are always uh, also people, and I guess we are also economically, or rather ideologically, 
in a, in a camp somewhere. But let's try to get to the actual figures. Uh, the uh, it, it, Maybe there's a comment. You made a comment about the pandemic. It's not a pandemic that caused the damage to the South African or to the world economy, for that matter. It's the measures that have been put in place to contain the virus. And it's important to, to understand the difference here. Uh, because it, uh, there were various levels of lockdown. In the case of South Africa, we had, we had quite a strict lockdown, quite a hard lockdown. And the impact on the South African economy was absolutely horrific. Now, uh, what I can tell you is that the South African economy for the past five years, every year the average South African has been getting poorer. So that is my definition of a recession, is that where individuals are getting poorer on average. And we have been there for five years already. For the past four quarters, we had, the economy has been getting smaller. Now, that is supposed to be a so-called technical recession. And I, I, I think we should rather call it a depression because this is a very long and a very, very deep recession. And during the past four months, we've lost in a region of close to about three million jobs in South Africa. And that is in an environment where we have very, very high levels of unemployment already. So currently what we have in South Africa, depending on what kind of definition you're using, is that we have approximately 50% of adults in South Africa that are not working, that are supposed to be working with people that do not have jobs. I can tell you, and these are all in the past couple of months, a massive increase in people actually going to bed hungry. We've seen a huge increase in unemployment, we know that, but a huge increase in poverty as well. Uh, I know, and this is numbers that I've calculated, is that we're probably going to see more people dying for because of an increase in, 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 in poverty, because poverty is actually a far bigger killer than any, uh, all of those other nasties out there. So that over the next, this is my numbers, over the next 10 years, we're probably going to see uh, about uh, 300,000 people dying because of an increase in poverty, far more then people are going to die because of this virus. So that is the situation in which we find ourselves today. So clearly the only way to get out of this is to create more wealth. Wealth is good, poverty is bad. Now to create more wealth, you need to get, get this economy to grow. And the economies are growing and it's unlikely for this economy to grow by much over the next couple of years. Another comment that I think is also valid is that <clears throat> we have the political system in South Africa. We've got a, the dominant political party called uh, the ANC. They are in a coalition with Kusatu and the South African Communist Party. Now, Kusatu is the important party uh, for this specific discussion that we're having because Kusatu consists the uh, most of the members of Kusatu are civil servants. Uh, and, of course, Kusatu, being part of the Tripartite Alliance, in a way, Kusatu represents organized labor, represent the civil servants, and in a way what you have, we've got Kusati in government, with government uh, uh, running the civil service or labor, which is totally un unsustainable. Also keep in mind, with all these job losses that we've experienced past four months or so, just about all of them were in the private sector, and very, very few of them, I don't know of any in fact, uh, were job losses in the, in the civil service. Uh, in the public service. So what, uh, there are more than roughly about 2 million civil servants in South Africa. They all got their jobs. Uh, most of them are totally overpaid, and uh, many large number of them are totally underworked as well. And this is objective numbers. I can, you can compare them to equivalent uh, workers in the private sector, and you can compare them to other countries in the world as well. Now, these people, I'm referring specifically to Kusatu, want to go on strike, and they want to strike because of job losses. Now, I don't think they should have the right to go on, on job losses because they've, they certainly haven't lost jobs. In fact, 
they are still being paid, and a large chunk of taxpayers' money go to the salaries of civil servants. So if there's one problem that I have looking at the finances of the state, it is exactly that, and that's the wage bill uh, specifically for members mostly for of Kusatu. So there are a couple of numbers, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to talk about, but I can tell you is that we are in for a very, very difficult time, and for people to go and strike under these sort of circumstances, I just think that is the wrong approach. I do believe that the Labour's got I'm just, we seem to have lost Dani, Darby, yeah, sorry. Darby, just I'm lost back, you before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm, what I'm saying, I think Labour's got the right to organize themselves, uh, but I, I think it's important also to understand that we are in serious and very, very deep trouble in South Africa, and that the private sector has been, has been under far more pressure uh, than the civil service last couple of, uh, well, in fact, for many, many years. And the, the taxpayers simply cannot afford this. I can give you also the numbers as far as the state finances are concerned. And I can tell you that the state finance, we are heading for a so-called fiscal debt trap. And there's just no way that we can go on the way that we have been the last couple of years. In fact, if we do not make a very serious U-turn and really cut back on state spending, especially on a wage bill, because that's the only way that we, only place where we can really cut. And of course, on silly things like South African Airways. If we don't do that, we're going to get into even deeper trouble. So those are some of the numbers that we have to deal with and that we have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the other thing about the strike is that they say that the unions say that they want to make a statement against corruption. This seems to be the big issue for the unions. Now, in your opinion, how is our economic crisis? I mean, the the impact of corruption on the on the economy. I mean, we see the headlines, but let's hear from an expert, especially in recent months with the whole COVID spending and all the stories that have been coming out around monies just disappearing from government yeah. coffers. Yeah, there are many numbers, and of course, it's basically impossible to put a number to what is called corruption. But I, but I can tell you, I speak to international journalists and international investors all the time. They keep on asking me about corruption, and there's something about corruption. Except for the, uh, we all know that we're losing because of corruption. We have money that should be spent on poor people, for instance, ends up in the pockets of civil servants somewhere, and they buy fancy cars with that. So that is the obvious loss. But there's another lot that we're not aware of or not that aware of, and that is the image thing. So international investors, my apologies, my international investors will look at South Africa and say, listen, this is not a place to invest in because look at corruption levels. There are many indices that actually measure things like corruption. And they say, listen, I'm not going to invest in South Africa. So that lost investment is not measured anywhere. So that's one loss because of corruption that is not properly measured anyway. We lose investments in the country because of the perception of corruption in South Africa. But there's something else that I think is even worse than corruption that we are currently uh, facing in South Africa, and that is simply the efficiency of the state. And I can give you many numbers on that as well. Like, for instance, the local authorities, which are very important because that's the first port of call uh, for business people and for you and me, normal people living in a, in a town or in a city, um, the, the Three-quarters of them are financially mismanaged. Uh, we can look at the state on enterprises, South African Airways, for instance, Prasa, uh, Railways, S&O uh, uh, lot. They're all operationally totally mismanaged. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, 
And that is Sautu. You mentioned Sautu earlier, the Democratic Teachers Union, which is part of Kusatu, by the way, which is part of government, by the way. So if we can, if we can compare how much we spend on education, we, education is by far the biggest expense item on the budget of the Minister of Finance. And if you compare South Africa's how much we spend on education and what we get for education, can I tell you that another statistic is that we spend far more on education than most countries in the world, and the outcome in South Africa is not only bad, it is quite often the worst in the world. And I can refer you to the so-called Pearl study and the so-called Tim study. So you can just Google that and you'll see. So, so I, I really do believe, given the amount of money we spent on education, talking about SATU as an example, I think this, uh, SATU, uh, I think they should rather, you know, make sure that their house is in order before they start uh, walking in the streets and demanding more money from the taxpayer. Yeah. We simply can't afford that. But the quality of the services that we get is simply just not there. Mm-hmm. You know, let's wrap up with a last question. What then should the unions be doing to make their concerns known? They say they are all about standing up against government and they're all against corruption. Now we're hearing from you and from others that the union should actually sweep clean their yeah. own homes first. Now, what should they rather be doing? Where should they be putting their energies and attention? Well, what I think, uh, and I think education and uh, education is very dear to me because I believe that is real key if we want to do something about poverty in South Africa and unemployment, all those bad things. Skills development is the single most important thing that we all need to work on in South Africa. So if you part of the Democratic Teachers Union, for instance, what I would like to see doing is get up and say, listen, our education is in a complete and a total mess. We want to extend the, the, the education day to work until four, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock or whatever. And we also want some education on Saturdays, for example, until we've got not the best in the world, until we at least average other kind of things that I would like to see. Mm-hmm. So fix that first. I do understand if it's possible, everybody wants to have more money, but you must know that we've reached the end of that line. It simply is not money available anymore. And absolutely, I agree that this this orgy of corruption, this mismanagement in government, that's got to end. And we all have to work to get that to end. But to go and shoot yourself in the, in, in the foot like this, to go and disrupt another day of work, productive work, uh, it, it's just not going to help. It's just not going to help this economy. Find other, other ways of doing that. And perhaps in the end, what matters, and this is the responsibility of you and me and everybody else in the country, is that we have to keep government accountable. And that is our responsibility as the voters. The when you get the opportunity to vote, make sure that this time around we do not vote for a government that's running the country the way that we've seen the, the tripartite alliance that's been running South Africa the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, we're going to end the show. And I want to thank David Rote, an economist who has brought another perspective to the protest that is going to be happening tomorrow via the unions. David, thank you so much for your time. Nice talking to you. Thank you. And with that, I've come to the end of this week's edition of Burning Issue. I hope that the impact of the union's strike tomorrow is not too severe on your movements and your day tomorrow. And from myself, Isid Kamaldin, Assalamu alaikum.